You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. Welcome back to the call-up. It's week 20 for us. We're presented by Triple Play Fantasy. And speaking of welcoming back, it's a huge week for backs. The NFL is back. Crazy plane stories are back. The Texas Rangers are back to sucking. Corey Kluber is almost back. Biggest piece on the Red Sox, of course. But perhaps the biggest who's back this week goes to Vinny, a.k.a. down on the Farm 8, who is back on the show after an IL stint last week. Michael, how do you feel now that this long-awaited day of Vinny returning is upon us? Yeah, I'm glad that we're back to being a full squad this week. You know, I had a guest lined up too, but we had to reschedule. But to be honest, I'm just glad Vinny's back in the mix. Deep down, I was hoping he'd kind of reappear with an eye patch, but... uh <laughs> I understand why he didn't. I can only speak for myself, but I know if Vinny was wearing an eye patch right now, I'd pretty much expect it to become standard. So maybe it's better that this is just all a delusion in my head. How's your week been, Vinny? It's good. You know, I'm actually happy me and Adolis Garcia swapped uh, IL spots. So the rest of this week is just finishing out the season. You know, last week of double A and below, still have another two weeks of triple A, but the Arizona Fall League's right around the corner, guys. So still more baseball to go. I'm uh I'm still stuck on this idea of Vinny with an eye patch. I might even already say I'm obsessed with it. Vinny, I need to know. Did you even consider this? Or or is there an eye patch in the worst? Because I kind of need to see it now. I think it'll look good. I mean, no, it wasn't even considered. But you know, maybe I should have. That would have been pretty cool. But then I would have had to put some pirates on the list today just to make it even more, you know, funny. Now, would the would the eye patch go below your glasses, or would they would it go above? I think I'd put it over it just to make it even look more ridiculous. Yeah, I definitely need to see that now. (laughs) Well, uh, we've got a normal show planned for you, so let's get right into it with the players of the week. And, of course, we're going to start with our hitters. And first up is going to be uh, Vinny with Nelson Rada from the Los Angeles Angels. And before I hand the reins over to Vinny, I actually have some audio I want to play, play for the listeners of uh, Vinny's thoughts a couple weeks back on the on the Angels organization. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you. Los Angeles Angels, man. You guys got some... Uh, you guys got some... Uh, some, uh, some decision-making that needs uh, some fixing over there. Like, I do not like their... Uh, their... I don't know what to say. Like, their uh, their philosophy, how they attack prospects anymore. What they Whatever they're thinking over there, man... I thought the A's had some problems with player development, but I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Los Angeles wants to throw their name in the hat. So now, Vinny, now that we've reminded everyone of your very lowly opinion of the Los Angeles organizations, as you heard, he he considers them perhaps worse than the A's. Why don't why don't you tell us about your choice for the hitter of the week? One of your favorite prospects I've come I've come to know, Nelson Rada of the Los Angeles angels. Yeah, man. Uh, 
you know, it comes to a point where talent just outplays a bad organization, and Rod is really starting to look like that. I joke about it every time we talk about him. He's 17. We might see him in the majors next year, or he just turned 18. We might see him in the majors next year at 18. You, you don't never know with the Angels, but, man, since the second half of the season, he's been absolutely on fire. Like, we're seeing him make more uh, more hard contact, uh, getting more extra base hits. He has, a, like, a very eye-popping amount of triples so far this season. I think he's up to eight or nine, which is pretty crazy. You know, usually he has a chance to end the season with double-digit triples and two home runs. So I think we're starting to see the, the signs of power coming together. Uh, 55 stolen bases is something that's really mind-blowing because there's still also three games left. He could hit 60, but we're looking – I don't. I can't recall a player we've seen with this kind of speed in, the, in a while. Like, even trying to think of names, I can't come to one. Like I could say Jonathan Classe last year, but he already has you know almost 20 more than him and but a, a lot less home runs. You know, for he's still 18. He's still growing into his body. He's still putting on weight. I, I, I think this is, <clears throat> I think this is like your last buy low on Rada because I'm, I'm pretty sure when we start getting into the off season, everyone starts doing their deep dives and everything. He's gonna start. He's gonna be very high up on that list of guys that are gonna be showing up for like breakouts next year. I don't know if he repeats next year at low A. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Angels handle him because they are very lenient for sending prospects up to high A for some reason. They just they like the coaching staff and the development better in double uh, A uh, Rocket City. So this is, you know, if he becomes an 18 year old next year at double A, you know, we need to take them a little bit more serious. I would love to see him, you know put a little bit more loft in the swing in the off season. Hopefully, you know, he stays out at Arizona. Most of the off season just works because there's some untapped potential. And I think we're starting to see the framework build for a potential five tool player. Before I remove, remove the graphic, I just have to point out with where we have our logo, it kind of looks like Nelson Rada has an eye patch on. <laughs> and so I'm still, I'm still stuck on the eye patch, Vinny. That's right. I, I, I won't give the idea up, but, uh, I did. I have to take some issue with you saying you don't think there's anyone close to as fast as him. Michael and I's boy, Enrique Bradfield Jr., he's pretty fast, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but I don't know. Well, that's it's short sample size of Bradfield too, but I mean, I can't. I cannot remember a player in the past couple years that is that could hit sixty stolen bases, even with like the new big bases. Like, I can't think of a guy that was so such a good base stealer so young that it's pretty mind-boggling and i think beyond you made a good point when you brought up the triples it's uh when we talk about prospects we often talk about their doubles as maybe uh something that can point to their true power triples though that probably more so points to speed of a player so all those triples you mentioned that's quite impressive Vinny, before we move on to Michael's player, I actually wanted to put you in a little bit of a tricky situation. So hopefully I've done this well. I have a keep trade cut for you. So you, you can keep one player, trade another player, and cut the third. We've got Nelson Rada. 
We've got Ballesteros of your Chicago Cubs. And I'm going to go with the boy who you seem to summon into top 10 talk uh, with Lazaro Montez. I want you to give me a keep trade and cut for those three. I'm going to say keep Ballesteros just because the the barrel rate he has right now at high A for a 19-year-old is pretty astonishing. It's on not Twitter, because he's a cub? No. I okay. broke it down on Twitter uh, earlier this week, if you follow me on Twitter. like He's played half the games as Emmanuel Rodriguez and Dalton Rushing and already has more hits and better everything than they have in like double the plate appearances. Um, trade, I'm going to trade Montes because of how hot he is right now. I don't know how long he sustains that. He probably repeats next year at low A. Um, and then, you know, then you're risking it all when he makes the jump to Eugene's, or not Eugene, but up to uh, high A. And then I'm going to cut Nelson Rada just because of him being so young. I think you might be able to either let him sit on the waivers a little bit, but I would, I'd run out with Ballesteros keeping trading Montes and cutting Rado. You could also break the game and trade and package Montes with someone else to open a roster spot for Nelson Rod. And then you don't have to cut anyone. I, uh, I, I think that, I don't know you, he's young maybe, but like we said, the angels are aggressive. So you, you gotta be careful with if someone like Rada is truly sitting out there for you. Michael, let's go to your guy now. He's a guy that I think is going to be a little more well-known and a little more, not maybe not a little, he's going to be pretty well-rostered. Um, he's a player many believe is the top player in a system that is perpetually considered one of the best in baseball. It is, of course, Junior Caminero of the Tampa Bay Rays. Michael, why don't you, why don't you tell us about, about this stud? Yeah, so I, I remember having a debate with myself earlier this year with the week we covered uh, Jackson Holiday and the amount of attention he was receiving when he was still in high A. So I didn't I didn't know if it made sense to pile on. And ultimately, I decided we, we can't ignore the best prospects in baseball just because everyone's talking about him on all the podcasts and everything. So the same thinking applies with Cam Monero. This is a player we've touched on a few times since the show began. Uh, we profiled him in the prospect watch section last year, hitter of the week early this year. Ross Jensen covered him when he was a guest this season. But throughout all that time, I actually haven't had a chance to break him down. So this seemed like a good time, considering he's hitting 344 with five homers, 15% K rate, and 1,300 OPS over the last 10 days in double A as a 20-year-old. Kaminer is listed with a fringe average hit tool, double plus raw power and average speed. I feel like a broken record, but that hit tool grade may be the most inaccurate tool for any prospect I've seen this year. I don't even understand how they came to that conclusion, even entering the season. He's coming off a year where he hit 314 with a 16% K rate, 11 homers between two levels as an 18-year-old. And I would grade Caminero with the plus hit tool, possibly even 65-70. And that might be a little more aggressive than some analysts, but I think this is a special, special bat. And typical slugger scouting grades don't seem to do him justice, in my opinion. You know, essentially, if players like Kobe Mayo and Colt Keith are given above average to plus hit tool grades, Caminero is a plus at minimum and probably better. He possesses elite bat speed that generates a ton of power to the pole side, press of bat to ball ability that allows hard line drive, like contact all fields. Evaluators just rave about his offensive potential and mature feel in the batter's box. I should give a shout out to Chris Clegg. I saw something he posted a couple days ago that it's really telling about what kind of upside we could be looking at. 
He said Junior Caminero has more batted balls hit at 110 miles an hour or higher than eight major league teams this this year. Just let that sink in. Basically, a teenager is impacting the baseball at a high level more frequently than entire major league teams. And that's one of the craziest stats I've ever heard. That type of unicornish type stuff is exactly why I consider Caminero an easy top five prospect. We we could argue about how high he should be, and I'm, I'm sure people have their opinions for what it's worth. I, I'd probably rank him number three behind Jackson Holiday and Jackson Churio. The speed aspect of their games is ultimately the determining factor for me, but I see them all as blue chip number one overall type players in a lot of other years. There aren't many prospects these days that stand out to me amongst their peers, and we're essentially looking at one of the best four category sluggers I've seen coming through the ranks since maybe Vlad Jr. And I don't like to put that type of pressure on a player, but I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. And you know, take away the speed aspect, and you can make a strong case this is the best prospect in baseball. I've talked privately with some very knowledgeable, level-headed people, and they're enamored with Caminero. I'm talking about people who don't get overly excited. They make log- logical decisions. They seem as virtually untouchable in trades and a perennial first-round pick in fantasy down the road. Obviously, that's the upside, but I can't really disagree. I prefer b- building my teams and redraft around aces or speed power speed threats, but Caminero could easily end up being picked where players like Vlad Jr., Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, and Raphael Devers types one season's prime. So, you know, this is a special talent in my eyes. Man, that stat from Clegg is ridiculous, Michael. I that I didn't see that when he tweeted that out. And I see most of Clegg's tweets because I like every single tweet he tweets out about Greenville, uh, which is where he lives and is where the Red Sox uh double A team play or sorry, high A team plays. Uh, so I'm surprised I didn't see that, but that is a crazy stat. Uh, also, I have to say one of my favorite side plots of this show, Michael, is your constant war with uh, hitting grades they give to prospects. Every week you have at least one guy you're like, this is just a trash grade. It should be much higher. Uh, and I, I really I really appreciate that. It's like a, a little Easter egg I like to, to watch out for. Um, I heard you say that uh, Caminero is uh, from level-headed people have thrown around the phrase untradeable. So I thought Maybe it'd be fun if I tried to trade you. Let's pretend you have Caminero, Michael. I'm going to try and offer you something for him. You you had three responses, easy, no, easy, yes, or I'd have to think about it. Okay. All right. So my first one, I I, I think I kind of already uh, know the answer to this based on what you said. I am offering, offering you a top three pick in this year's first year player draft. Uh, I'd have to think about it but I would probably turn it down. Okay. That's, that's what I expected. You did say Cam Nero was in your top three, though. I would assume the, the big three in the first year player draft are, are close to four five, six. So, yeah, I think we could get there if we added some extra pieces into the mix. Okay. Good. to know. Um, okay. What about this? I've got two, two hot commodities for you. Two, two people who are, um, performing quite well right now. I've got Mr. Grand Slam Royce Lewis and Cole Reagans. You said you like an ace. How about that? You're saying those those I'll give two you and both Caminero? Oh, I'm I'm taking that deal. I'm taking Royce Lewis and and Cole so, Reagans. I, I would probably do it for Reagan's Royce Lewis leader. straight up personally, but I'm a big Royce Lewis fan. Well, you would take Royce Lewis straight up for him. I would, but I don't think I would have to. What if I, yeah, I don't I agree you definitely wouldn't have to. You'd be able to get more than Royce Lewis. What if instead of Royce Lewis I went Guy that has no prospect pedigree, but has been just as hot. Davis Schneider and Cole Reagans. Easy now. Hmm. Yeah, I would probably turn that down. I don't believe in Schneider as much. I do think Reagans 
is this breakout's pretty real though. So it's something I would consider, but normally I'm not going to trade a, a top three generational type hitting talent for kind of a breakout pitcher that's 25 on the Royals. With you there. My, la- my last one for you, and then we'll move to our pitchers of the week. Any of these aging vets, would they interest you for Caminero? Uh, aging in quotations, but I've got, we've got, we've got a lot. We've got Judge, Betts, Trout, Freddie Freeman, Harper, uh, Garrett Cole, any of these names? Yeah, guys? I mean, these are the type of players, if I was a, a team that was going for it, that I would trade Caminero for if it was like the kind of piece that would put me in the championship contention. Would you would you categorize that trade as maybe a win-win? If you're not going for it, would you trade one of those guys for a guy like Caminero? Yes, I, that's the sort of deal I think that's a win for everyone. They're tr- the, most teams are trying to get rid of that aging star and they can replace them with the next up-and-coming guy. Well, uh, you guys heard it here. You, you have to you have to give up some pretty notable pieces to get a guy like Caminero, but a deal is possible and sometimes even smart to go get a guy with as much hype as Caminero. Let's move on to our pitchers, and let's go back to you, Vinny. Uh, you've got a pitcher here for us. His name is Carlos Rodriguez, and uh, if you are unaware of him, it's because it's probably because my theory is. He has to share a rotation with Jacob Mizorowski. And when you share a rotation with a guy like that, you're not going to get the attention you deserve. But look at these stats. Get on YouTube. Look at the screen that we are sharing for you here. In uh, in double A at the age of 21, he's got a 2.75 ERA and a whopping 143 Ks in just over 111 innings. This guy's clearly got some electric stuff and probably should be getting more love if he wasn't sharing a rotation with a guy like Mizorowski. Vinny, uh, actually before Vinny, before I hand it off to you to talk about him, one other note, if you're, if you're hearing Vinny talk about him and, you, and you're interested in the guy, um, if you search Carlos Rodriguez, make sure it's, I, I know there's at least one other in the minors. There's a catcher for the Orioles. Uh, some places label, label him Carlos F. Rodriguez. Um, but make sure it's the Brewers pitcher. But Vinny, tell everyone who they've been overlooking in the Brewers double A rotation. Yeah, I also was one of these people overlooking Rodriguez due to just a, such a stacked roster that Biloxi has been this year with Cuero and Churio. Now I add Mazarowski on there and Tyler Black. But man, is this kid a monster like i've I, I spent yesterday watching a few of his games his mannerisms and how he pitched reminds me so much of freddie peralta but they do not have they don't have a similar arsenal of pitches but oh my god like rodriguez i'm surprised because i you know when i was doing all of the research and, and stuff for this today i was expecting him to, you know to be one of these very highly talked up, you know, breakout 2023 pitching prospects. No, no one is talking about him. Not pipeline, not fan graphs, not any of these big organizations. And you can rarely find stuff about him on Twitter too. So like this, he is flying under the radar. Very good. And you know, this is a guy may, if you're in a, like a dynasty savvy league, I doubt he's still on the waiver wire, but Go check your waiver wires. Go see if he's on there. If he is on there, pick him up immediately. Because especially how the Brewers have been in the past couple of years with just fast-tracking pitching prospects, there's a scenario that we see Rodriguez very early next year, especially if they end up moving Corbin Burns. Like, 
I know everyone loves Mizorowski, but Rodriguez has already double the amount of time Mizorowski has in double A. I'm surprised he hasn't been bumped to triple A with 141 strikeout or 140 um 141 strikeouts in 111 innings. You know, I would you could say that he's very susceptible to home runs, but I I don't see it. Like the walk rate's not concerning either. The hundred and the one eighty one average against him is pretty mind boggling too, and just everything about this screams like the next monster pitcher in the Brewers organization. I know everyone, you know, it's in the past couple of years it's been let's all guess and see who it is because the Brewers are so good at developing pitching, but. Early signs are saying it's going to be Rodriguez. A 74.3% left on base percentage with a 252 Babbitt. I mean, a 39% ground ball rate, too, to a 46 fly ball rate. This is the type of pitcher that you pick up very early, and he ends up giving you a decent return. Like, I think his ceiling's probably an SP3, maybe a floor of an SP five, but he is going to be a workhorse type of pitcher with big strikeout potential. So Vinny, it's interesting you say floor of SP five, because when I was researching him, really the only knock I could find was that there, at least heading into the year, there was some debate or within the organization of whether he was a long-term starting pitcher or if he was going to end up in the bullpen. So I guess my only question for you about him is what percent chance exactly would you put on the him becoming a reliever? I think it's very low. Something would have to go terribly wrong in AAA for him to be thrown into the bullpen. He's a starting pitcher by far more than he is a relief pitcher. I mean, you can tell at times he does get very – loose with his command, but not enough that it hurts him. But man, does he, he is a scary pitcher that I'm surprised is not getting talked about more, especially due to the fact of his team and their history of producing very good pitching. So Rodriguez, he he's going to be my target probably for dynasty this year. If he's owned, I'm going to try and get a couple shares of him. Well, going from one pitcher who perhaps is overlooked because of a teammate to another, Michael's pitcher of the week is none other than Ty Madden, who was a first-round pick by the Tigers in 2021, and he signed for above slot at $2.5 million. The problem is he was selected 29 picks after a stud we talked about last week in Jackson Job, who signed for a whopping $6.9 million. Ty Madden's a guy with some respect, but of course, Jackson Job gets a lot of the love. Michael, do you think this is another guy people are overlooking in Ty Madden? Yeah, that's a good point you just made there. I mean, similar to last week when I discussed David Festa, who actually has since been promoted to AAA since our last show. This is one of those players that I've I've been aware of since his draft days, but never really looked into him beyond the surface level to see how I truly feel about him. And just from an observer's perspective, I certainly don't see a lot of posts on social media hyping up Ty Madden almost feels like he's just one of those pitchers we see somewhere on every prospect list, but nobody seems overly excited to target him drafts or rank him particularly high. I mean, I could be off base with that observation, but that's just been my impression. Madden's listed on fan graphs with an above average fastball plus slider 
above average curve, average change with above average command. My first thought seeing those was four pitches, three above average to plus with good command. Might not sound like some amazing combination on the surface, but this is a relatively rare combination. As I said with Festa last week, it's not often that I come across pitchers with a good fastball, multiple above average secondaries and command. I'm not suggesting it's unheard of, but it's not as common as you think. And most of the pitchers you'd find on such a list would either be considered a top prospect or with the tools to develop into one. And there's only a handful of players like this with relatively minimal hype surrounding them. And I think they, they are good targets if you're, if you're looking for a pitcher at a reasonable price. Madden originally fell to the competitive balance portion of 2021 draft because some teams saw a reliever arsenal. And, and there are some scouts who still seem split on this. Uh, but the Tigers were confident he profiles as a starter and based on his success and signing as a pro, it, it looks like a good call by the organization. And while his strength is the combination of mid nineties fastball and mid eighties sliders, his arsenal's evolved under the Tigers player development. And he's worked in more high fastballs to change hitters. eye level when he came in as a pro, he had a reputation for pounding the bottom of the strike zone. He's also mixed in his change it more often. So when his pitches are on, he can get a lot of swings and misses in the strike zone in addition to getting hitters to chase off the outside corner. I'd like to see Madden reduce his walk rate a bit to unlock his full potential, but this is another one of those pictures where the scouting grades tell me more than the surface stats, and they're they're both part of the picture, but the above-average command grade gives me more confidence I'll reach his potential. And when I took a look at his Zips three-year projections, which I find to be a helpful tool for gauging how a player could profile in the near future, Madden projected him was projected for a 1-2-2 whip in 2025, and I think that's a good indication of what I'm trying to say about his appeal. Like this is a player with pretty good stuff who will pitch his home games in a pitcher's park in the weakest division, who's probably underrated because the surface sets don't scream stud, but I think he's a solid SP four long-term and he w- definitely won't be an ace, but players like this are part of fantasy teams and like Reese Olson in the same organization is a solid example. I, um, I can't help but compare him. Of course, I mentioned him when I, when I was introing him but comparing him to Jackson Job, and obviously when you look at Job, and this applies, this is kind of a question for you, Michael, about your strategy when it comes to a, when it comes to Dynasty League. You have your studs like Jackson Job. We mentioned Jacob Mizorowski earlier. We've talked about Ricky Tiedemann before. These are all guys that just are absolutely electric and all have some sort of history of or problems trying to stay on the field. Um, usually because of injury, because pitching is just it's hard to stay healthy. When we look at a guy like Ty Madden, though, he made I, let's see, I wrote down here and last year was his was his first year um, at a pro level. He made 26 starts, and this year he's made 24. So he's been a guy that's been pretty healthy. Is that something that you target when it comes to a pitchers? Yeah, he might not be a stud, but we're seeing him on the field. We're seeing him pitch a lot of innings. Is that? Is that something that actually you can put some value on, or is it just a matter of time because he's a pitcher for him to get injured? No, I definitely think that uh, the availability for pitchers that show they can consistently stay healthy and pitch a lot of innings has value. You know, the top pitchers in fantasy are the guys who can crack 200 innings with a bunch of strikeouts. So even if he's not a huge strikeout pitcher like this, if he's a guy you can count on to be there pitching 30 starts a game or 30 starts a year, that definitely has value. You just can't put them above guys who have that elite upside, basically, even though they have more risk. Well, count me in on on Ty Madden, and, and he's going to wrap up our four players of the week, which, of course, means it's time for everyone's favorite segment, the Notable Promotions. This is, this is what we do it for. 
Uh, we we love we love and we talk about these prospects throughout the year, but really all we're hoping for is for them to get the call up. And at this time of year, we're getting some pretty big names. So I, I, I'm going to read them in, in, and I'm we're going to do the same thing we've been doing the last few weeks. I want both you, Michael and Vinny, to give me this is for redraft your favorite uh, in redraft and your least favorite in redraft. Uh, so who got the call this week? We had Connor Phillips of the Reds. We had Luke Little of the Chicago Cubs, who when he got the call, Vinny immediately said, sent a message to both Michael and I and said, if your waivers are still open, pick this guy up. Uh, and when Vinny says, I do, but my waivers were closed. But I would have done it, Vinny, I promise. Um, uh, but also, we got two – I mean – it, you'd be hard to argue in fantasy, at least, that these aren't guys that are pushing the top 10. We had two massive call-ups. We had Jordan Lawler of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and Vinny's actually going to talk about him later because Vinny picked him for who's next to get the call. And and as Vinny seems to be able to do, seems to have just summoned the call-up immediately as since Vinny made that choice, Evan Carter is getting the call to the Texas Rangers Let's start with Vinny. Vinny, on this list, Jordan Lawler, Evan Carter, Connor Phillips, Luke Little, who is your favorite in redraft and who is your least favorite? Vinny is muted right now. I'm sure he's telling everyone about how amazing Luke Little is. (laughs) No, actually, this one's kind of hard and interesting because um, this is going to break down like how you play redraft because there's a few names that I like. And then there's a few names I don't like. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite is Connor Phillips for redraft because he's going to be one of these guys next year. That's going to go pretty much probably one of your last rounds in redraft for starting pitching and his debut earlier this week, the, the uh, advanced data on his pitches were absolutely phenomenal, like better than what we've seen in the minors, like his location and the stuff on his fastball and the rest of his pitches were Pretty spectacular. Maybe people come around to that in the offseason and he gets, you know, launched up to on uh, draft boards. But he looks like he could be a potential very good value next year in redraft. And I'm going to say, man, it, it hurts me to say this, but my 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 least favorite is Jordan Lawler. Just due to the fact that, wow. you know, we saw how we, we saw him struggle a lot at double A for a long time. And then I feel like it almost feels like the Diamondbacks kind of rushed him up because he was, he just found success at AAA. He was on a good week, hot streak. And then they're setting up ramp to the majors. As we're speaking, he is playing and his debut is against Javier Assad of the Cubs, which I did debate on going to the game today. Cause I want that debut ticket, but man, I don't know. Like, I feel like, it's going to be a short sample size for Lawler, but I think we might see him get exposed by this big league pitching. You know, I, I we could see him strike out a lot early, which could very could really tank his you know his value going into the off season. But he, I'd rather have him in dynasty than Connor Phillips, if we put it that way. But yeah, and and to counter that, if Lawler has a really good debut and I'm just completely wrong and know nothing about baseball, like he could easily propel himself up redraft boards next year too. I must say 
we we talked we were talking before the show about uh some of the or many the many of bets we placed um <laughs> on the nfl season but if i were to have placed a bet Vinny, on on the guy that you were definitely not going to pick as your favorite it probably would have been connor phillips you're picking him over two top 10 prospects one of whom you you pick as your least favorite which was shocking in itself and a chicago cub who you love so much you went and dm'd us <laughs> to pick him up that that was quite the plot twist, Vinny. I must give it up to you there. But uh, now we got to hear Michael's guy. Will, will, will Michael go a little more chalk here, or does he also got a trick up his sleeve? Yeah, Vinny definitely threw me off right there. I was not expecting all that. Um, obviously, every league is different. Like I, I always got to say that because, you know, if you need pitching, Connor Phillips would be the guy to go after. But uh, if it's just if I'm just looking at all these players as similar, like I need pitching, I need hitting, I would value Jordan Lawler the most this year. He's the guy I think could be the best power speed threat. And I think he's being called up to play every day. So whether it works or not, I'm not sure. But this is a guy that I think is going to be a 20, 30 threat down the road. And Vinny mentioned draft season down the road. I think this is, he's going to, I mentioned this on the show a few weeks ago, but I think he's going to take a similar path as Anthony Volpe. I think people are going to start drafting him really high once they realize he's the starting shortstop. And then he might struggle a little bit after that. And that's when you jump in and grab him. And then after that, he emerges into an early round pick. So Lawler's the guy I would spend the most on. I do love Evan Carter, too. Uh, He's less of a, I think they brought him up for more of the Adolis Garcia injury. So I'm less sure how much he's going to play, if he's going to play regularly. And outfielders usually less valuable than a shortstop. I do like Connor Phillips more than people generally seem to. He does have a little bit of command issues, and I'm not a big fan of his park, but I do think he's underrated. And Luke Little would be my least favorite because he's a reliever, and I just don't think he's going to provide enough fantasy value pitching one inning at a time. Fight, 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 fight. No, I'm kidding. I, uh, I, um, I think I tend to agree with your assessment, Michael. Benny's got me questioning everything, though. I just really was really was truly shocking, Benny. Uh, so, Benny, I'm going to give you another chance to talk about, and this time I'm going to. Now that you're clearly a Jordan Lawler hater. I've got to know with this choice, we are moving on to our prospect watch, which is guys in the low minors uh, or to, uh, who we uh, we can't really take our eyes off of. And Vinny, continuing the Jordan Lawler hate, has gone with a different middle infielder in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. Vinny, is, is Christopher Torin your choice here? Is he better than Jordan Lawler? No, Torin is not better than Jordan Lawler, but wow, did is he very good? You know, I didn't cover as much of the complex league this year as I usually do, so a few of these names slipped past my radar, and I really regret not seeing a lot of Christopher Torin. Like, if we're talking about a polished young hitter in an organization that thrives developing that kind of prospect pedigree Christopher Torin is go is in a perfect situation uh his stats in the complex league are pretty much just like video game numbers he had a 320 average a 333 BABIP a 7% K rate to a 16.7% walk rate on top of that 15 stolen bases a WOBA of 419 and a 429 slug with a 125 WRC plus. 
That is pretty crazy. I'm surprised I've not seen. I I've seen some people talk about him early. Uh, um, I'm trying to think. There there was two other people I also saw talk about Torin early in the uh, complex league. But I mean, if you really want to knock him, you can say his power is not there yet. But he has such quick hands that it's just a matter of time before the power comes. Like this is. As I start to piece everything together for the off-season videos and everything we do, he is in contention with a few other names for going to – a little preview. He's in contention for probably my breakout next year because everything I've seen, all of the batted ball data, everything points towards this kid is a star in the making. And it's just, it's just him getting enough reps in low A next year and him taking advantage of it. Because he he played so well in the complex league, they promoted him up to Vizalia very uh, kind of quickly. It was like two or three weeks. He has 30, uh, 37 games there so far. His stats have flipped, but you can definitely tell he's still getting a hold of you know affiliated pitching and stuff. You know, an eight percent walk rate to a nineteen point six percent K rate, which it, it evens itself out. When you do the stats from the complex to A ball, he still has a higher walk rate than he does a K rate by like two points. The ISO is even worse at a point sixty seven. But watching this kid play, man, and just how he's physically built, you can tell he's still going to add weight. He's still going to add muscle. He's still growing. And like I said, when you put a very polished young hitter in the Diamondbacks organization, very rarely do they fail. So I'm, this is, this is my guy probably for my breakout next year. And I'm trying to get him. I like, he's not very, he's not really owned a lot. So he's probably still sitting on your waivers because, you know, people may have fizzled out since his promotion to uh, Vizalia, but I'm telling you stash this kid. This kid is very, very lethal. Rarely do the Diamondbacks fail unless it's Jordan Lawler, right? I mean, first season, maybe. Well, we know Jordan. I'm not saying Jordan Lawler is going to be a bust, but I'm just saying I'm not trusting him his first season in the majors. Nah, that's not that's not how this game works, <laughs> Vinny. You you said you said it. Jordan Lawler is a bust. Uh, one one last note uh, on Christopher Torin. If you are interested in looking him up in your league, it is Christopher with an F, not a PH. Uh, so a little bit of a unique spelling there. So just something to keep uh, keep your eye uh, out for if you're looking to add Christopher Torin as he's not rostered in as many leagues as some of the other guys we have mentioned. But now, and I'm excited for this one because it's time for our FYPD King to do what he does best. He gave us Cruz already. He gave us Langford. He gave us Skeens. He gave us Enrique Bradfield. So, so what's really next? I think it's it's the hunt for the best of the rest. Who's next after that big top three? Why not Walker Jenkins? Well, let's see if Michael thinks Walker Jenkins is all that he's cracked up to be. Michael, take it away. Yeah, you said a lot there. Uh, since I did already look at the big three in college, I just figured we might as well dip into the top prep players for, the, for this watch section. It's important to remember that it's very early impressions, particularly for prep players. I've, I've been hearing a lot of noise about college bats like Matt Shaw or possibly surpassing Jenkins and Max Clark could just be, I'm here and talking to Vinny a lot, but uh, I'm a little hesitant to make that sort of move at this stage, even though I see the logic in targeting a good college bat over a prep player. I mean, it can be tough to wait on a teenager for a lot of people. It's not, 
it's not something I hear talked about at all, but I, I suspect there's a large group of dynasty managers that generally avoiding teenagers altogether, basically removing the de- developmental aspect and patience they need and playing a game of musical chairs with proximity players. And honestly, I can see the logic in that, particularly if you're not great at analyzing prospects or trading and there's no need to dip in for hidden gems if you can find players who emerge in the upper levels each season. But as for Walker Jenkins, he slipped past Mark's, Max Clark as the top high schooler this spring in some people's eyes. He's North Carolina's best prep position player since Josh Hamilton went first overall in 19, 1999. He was hampered by injuries on the showcase circuit during the, uh, the summer, which prevented him from making the U.S. national team, but his physical ability was never in question. Jenkins was North Carolina's player of the year in 2022 and 2023. He's built uh, to hit for power with a strong six foot three frame and a quick left-handed stroke. He already shows the ability to turn on quality fastballs and drive them out of the park to right field and has opposite field pop. His hitting ability doesn't stand out quite as much as his raw power, but he has a sweet swing and makes consistent hard contact. And though he displayed plus speed in earlier in high school career, like he, he slowed down a bit as he's gotten stronger and, now more solid runner, maybe above average. His his instincts may allow him to remain in center field, and he makes good reads and routes in the outfield, which increases range. If if not, his plus arm strength would make him fit in as a slugging right fielder. He's listed on fan graphs with the above average hit tool, plus raw power and fringe average speed. As I said, it's still early in the process for me with these players, but there's a decent chance his hit tool is a bit underrated. He's actually got double plus raw power and more speed than he's given credit for, and he may slow down to this level as he begins to age, but I think he's got more athleticism than this as it stands. And until I get confirmation, I view Jenkins as an above average hit tool, double plus raw power and above average speed. So obviously if that's accurate, then it's pretty evident why he's being considered a premium prospect out the gate as for how to approach him in FIPDs. I think a lot of it comes down to your specific league and how you prefer to manage prospects. The people who crave upside will see him as one of the best picks after the top college players off the board. So unless your league generally just fades youth, you're going to have to probably use a top five pick. And I will say, I just did just see Jesse Roche post something about a couple MLB ready international players coming over. So along with the emergence of any college players that might come along before then, you could theoretically see Jenkins available at seven or eight in some leagues. Ultimately, you're talking about a high upside teenager who could be a top 10 prospect once he's in the upper levels. And you just have to weigh that versus the risk that he won't live up to the expectations or, or will take a few years to develop. It's crazy to me just how loaded of a class this is. The scouting grades and the hype were one thing, but so many of them are performing. It's really impressive. Now, our our very uh, our listeners who are the most diehards probably are expecting me to ask you, Michael, to rank your uh, top FYPD picks as I ask you every week. But I'm not going to do that this week. I think when talking about someone like Walker Jenkins and and uh, his comparison to Max Clark who he might be linked to forever. Uh, the really only pertinent question, Michael, is is do you have a TikTok? No, I was not expecting that, but no, I've never done a TikTok <laughs> before. I barely know what that is, actually. Well, uh, I uh, that means I think that means, and Vinny can confirm, that makes you, by default, a Walker Jenkins guy because Max Clark is, is more TikTok star than he is top prospect. Am I, am I right, Vinny? Yes, that, that does check out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, we're kidding. We like to have a little fun here, too. We've got two more players for you, and it's Michael's absolute favorites. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. It's his favorite uh, part of the show. It's who's next. 
to get the call. But before we go to Michael, we have to go to Vinny, Mr. Prospect Domus. I, n- I never will know how to say that nickname, but uh, the man who it, it at this point, people might just think you're cheating, Vinny. Um, Evan Carter got the call, but that was going to be your guy. So why don't we talk about him? We did it last week with Dominguez uh, and Michael. Uh, he talked about Jason Dominguez for us. So why don't you talk, Vinny, about uh, top 10 potentially prospect Evan Carter? Yeah, Carter, you know, he's always been – he's Mr. Consistent. Like, he does everything very well. He always hits. He gets on base. He walks. He limits his strikeouts. Like, he is a very good dynasty slash redraft prospect. Now, saying that, I've kind of soured on Carter going. Wow, here this. we go again. I know. I know. I don't know. I just had something. Something was just bugging me this week because I was doing some deep dives. Like, looking at his stats and his projections, like, I don't. Like, I see him being a top 10 prospect, but I don't know what his true upside is. Because when I do all the, when I crunch all the numbers and everything, he just looks like he's going to be more of a floor type of player than he is going to be a, like, superstar. Like, okay, this is going to get clipped when he, you know, becomes uh, a top 10 pick in two years from now. I already know that. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to fight for that one. But, I just don't know. Like, I don't see him hitting more than like 20 home runs a year. I don't see him stealing more than, you know, 25 bags a year. So he's going to be very good. Let me, you know, let me get that out there. But he's not going to be like this superstar. Like, like what people think of top 10 prospects and what they truly end up being, I don't think Carter's going to end up being that. I think he's going to. He's just going to be a, a solid, everyday good hitter that produces fairly well with uh, RBIs and runs. And, you know, OBP leagues and stuff like that, he's going to be very good in. I just don't see this massive upside with him. But to say that, you know, he is getting the call this week, so we will see if he proves me wrong very quickly due to Adolis Garcia hurting his knee, which, man, that's the last thing that the Rangers need at this point. You know, they've really taken a nosedive since the second half of the season started past the All-Star break. But it'll be interesting to watch him this week. I will say that because he's had this hype around him for a while because I remember when he got drafted, he wasn't a big prospect. And, you know, when he got drafted, everyone was like, whoa, who's who's this Evan Carter kid? Kind of similar with Nick, uh, Nick York that year. So... It'll be interesting to see how he translates to the majors this week and to see how they carve out a role for him next year in a very, very deep roster of the Rangers. So so many thoughts, Vinny. I have so many thoughts. One, don't think I didn't notice the subtle shot at the Red Sox. Of course, having to bring up Nick York, who once was in conversation with Evan Carter and now is nowhere near. Mm-hmm. Evan Evan Carter uh, two. Uh, I don't think there's any need to worry about getting clipped because one benefit to the show uh, is we put the player cards up while we're talking. So you can just deny that it was you who said it. I mean, it's much harder to match a voice than a, than a face. You can just say it was deep faked. Uh, so I think you're, I think you're good there. Three, 
I am I'm just stunned that uh, we when we pick our players, we normally pick them to talk positively about them. <laughs> it's very rare that one of you picks a player to to uh, talk negatively about them. So that was that was interesting. But but fourth, this is no joke. This is my last thought. No joke. My pre-prepared question uh, for Evan Carter. I, I wrote it before he got the call, but I wanted to know. Do you like Carter or Jordan Lawler more? And little did I know the answer is neither. You hate them both. <laughs> well, if I were, I would, I like Jordan Lawler better just because he plays a more premium position and he has, he has shown us that he could potentially drop a lot of home runs and be very beneficial for, you know, redraft, dynasty, OBP. Like he's, he's a fantasy player. I don't think Carter's tools make him a, very valuable fantasy player if it makes sense i see a lot more upside with lawler than i do carter i just i just want to throw in because i'm an ever carter believer i i agree with so, how vinny's i agree with how vinny's breaking him down i just think the difference here is we disagree about what a 280 average with 20 home runs and 25 steals is worth with a bunch of runs and, you know like that's that's a good player it's not a first round pick but it's a core piece to a fantasy team you know but Fight, 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 fight. This is awesome. I'm loving this. Uh, We do have one more player for you we have to get to, though, and it is Michael. And, Michael, I don't want to jinx you, but I I must say, for all your disdain towards this segment, you have been on quite the heater lately. You got Rafaela, you got Lawler, uh, and you got Jason Dominguez, sort of, asterisk, but you got them. So, uh, again, I don't want to jinx you, but I'm just saying – You've been on quite the heater. So could this be the next guy to get the call up? It's Justin Henry Malloy, an outfielder for the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, so we've talked about his teammate Colt Keith on multiple occasions, but Malloy is just as deserving of a call up at this point. And both players should be in the majors right now, gaining that crucial experience for next season. I've never understood why certain organizations seem unwilling to budge on player development, even when their track record suggests they should be open to adjustments. I compare it to fantasy managers who refuse to adjust to their playing style even as they watch other managers consistently beat them. In a rebuilding organization with only a handful of core pieces on their MLB roster should be giving their productive upper-level prospects experience right now. And any team in this position that isn't following this basic blueprint hurting themselves, in my opinion. So with that little rant out of the way, I decided to go with Malloy this week because he's been tearing the cover off the ball lately. Over his last 10 days, he's hitting 400, 571, with an over 1,000 slugging percentage, four homers, walking at a 25.7% clip. He's listed with a fringe average hit tool, plus raw power and below average speed, not necessarily the type of scouting grades that will blow people away, but as usual, I think his hit tool is underrated. He's shown a strong ability to take walks and was, has never shown the type of swing and miss at any level that would suggest his hit tool is a major weakness to me. If anything, he could probably be a little less selective at the plate, but I'd rather have a prospect with an advanced control of the strike zone than a free swinger. It's it's more likely a player like Malloy can tinker and adjust than a player with minimal patience. And he doesn't chase often, but it would be nice if if he swung at more pitches in the zone. As it's it's hard to be an extremely patient hitter and put up big counting stats in a pitcher friendly park like Detroit. So my perception of Malloy is pretty favorable at this point. I thought he was probably the best prospect in a depleted Brave system when the Tigers landed him in a trade for Joe Jimenez. And he kind of fits that mold of a player who has earned his shot at the big leagues. He doesn't have the pure upside of a lot of the top prospects, which probably keeps his appeal in check for a lot of people. But players like this have a role in our game. And 
are often underrated as they approach the big leagues. He's been consistent throughout his minor league career, proven himself to be an above average hitter at each stop while growing into more power as he matures. The lack of stolen base upside in his home park will probably be the two biggest knocks on him from fantasy perspective, but he feels like one of those floor over ceiling type guys that have value in deeper settings, but he'll need to maintain similar production. He's shown in the minors as he moves to the majors to be more viable in shallow formats and ultimately like Colt Keith and Jace Young in, in their system, he profiles as a bat first player and may be able to play passable defense in left field, probably more ideally suited for DH long-term. And since the organization targeted him in a trade with Atlanta last year, I, I believe they like him as a player and will give him an opportunity to prove he's part of their core moving forward. And I don't, I don't think we're looking at huge upside, but I think his hit tool, raw power and patient approach should make him a long time pro with stretches during his prime where he's a viable starter in all leagues. And, the walk rates make him even more appealing in OBP formats. He'll probably be a relatively popular late round pick in those like 50 round draft and hold leagues on FBC for his proximity and potential to secure playing time next season. Basically the type of player I would trade a young, higher upside prospect that I have reservations about for. I don't really understand how the Detroit Tigers aren't better because I look at a guy like Malloy and then I go and look at the Tigers roster and I just see all these outfielders that are good. And we know we've talked about some of the infielders they have coming, uh, specifically Cole Keith, but I look at, they have Riley Green, Kerry Carpenter, who's tearing the cover off the ball right now. They have Akil Badu, Parker Meadows is up right now. Uh, and then you just mentioned Justin Henry Malloy. And I just want to point out, there's something Riley Green Kerry Carpenter, Akil Badu, and Parker Meadows all have in common, and that is they are all lefties. And Justin Henry Malloy is a righty. So even with all those outfielders, there is at least some need for Malloy. Now, I know small side platoon isn't like an exciting thing, but the point is they have a need for him. That the outfield may appear clogged, but they're all lefties. And we've seen the Tigers platoon, but do we've seen them uh platoon Parker Meadows and Kerry Carpenter before he got hot. So what's to say this organization isn't looking for a guy who can hit every day. Um, maybe Kerry Carpenter has swung his, his way into that role, but there's still a, a third spot in that outfield. They're looking for an everyday outfielder. So I, I like the call, Michael. I, I think uh, with um, Green, I don't know what his injury status is, but we could see Malloy get some some run down the stretch. I mean, I look, I'm looking right now, and they're hitting against lefties, Tyler Nevin uh, in the outfield and Matt Veerling. So, I mean, why not give Malloy a shot at that point? Those are all of our prospects for you guys today. Uh, that is our show, um, and I'm curious. Uh, instead of asking our audience to follow us on YouTube at Triple Play Fantasy and be listening to our other shows, I want to put Vinny and Michael on the hot seat. Are you guys? Are you guys listening to our other podcasts? Or do you? Are you subscribed to the channel with notifications turned on? Yeah, I've been watching a lot of our fantasy football content, especially with the season like right here. So I've been trying to, you know, grind out as much as that as possible. And I, I always watch Doc and all of them whenever they do their live right after us every week too. So, yes, I'm pretty tuned in. Wow, look at teacher's pet Vinny oh, giving the right answer there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael, I got to say I'm with Vinny on this because once I kind of started with the show, I started following the main Triple Play show most weeks. You know, I kind of like the vibe they bring. I've been on the show a couple times and – I actually just watched the the new show with uh, Torres and Mike Carter and those guys and Carlos Marcano. 
and they had Eric Cross on there as a guest. So I, that was last week, and I just listened to them talk about some prospects. It's it's a great network we got going here. I'm I'm happy to be part of it. You you guys listening? You you hear it? You come here every week to hear Michael and Vinny's thoughts, but where are they going? to hear other people's thoughts they're there's they're listening to the other stuff the triple play fantasy is putting out so if you want to get better at this fantasy baseball thing which is why you're here listening to begin with make sure to be checking out everything triple play fantasy has to offer um and of course as Vinny shouted out uh we are entering football season and they are putting out football content right now although Vinny, right baseball still king right Indeed, yeah, especially with the dude, the Arizona Fall League is gonna be really fun this year. We're gonna see probably a pretty good roster, better than a couple years previous. Vinny, it almost looked like you rolled your eyes and then begrudgingly said indeed. But the, the Arizona Fall League stuff, I, I I felt that. But I need you to say again, baseball is king. I need you to say it. Baseball is king. I love it. And with that, that is our show for this week. We've only got a few more um, regular season shows for you, this guys, but we have lots of exciting off season content planned. So be sure uh, to be prepared for everything we have to offer for the remainder of the season and heading into the off season. And with that, that was week 20. See you on the call up next week for week 21.